Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. Solo it from here on out, if that's okay. <laughs> if that's what you want, I'm going to run solo on the podcast. We'll do it. We'll do it. Anyways, welcome back, everyone, to Craft Advice. No, I'm not kicking Sean out. We were just debating on whose internet connection is worse. Uh, I win. See? Winner. I don't know. Today we'll, do a speed, I don't know. we'll do a speed test to figure out for sure. That's not. Well, let's, welcome back, everybody. Let's start with what you're drinking. What am I drinking? Another little uh, Southern Swells rendition. Last strain, a little West Coast IPA. Nice and delicious. Nice. I'm going got uh, Tampa Bay Brewing Reef Donkey. It's like my Ooh, the reef go-to. Do you get those up your way? You do. It's solid. Very solid. It's always like the four-pack. You feel less like a degenerate because you're only drinking four, but more of a degenerate because they're 16 ounces. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more. At least it's not in the brown paper bag. At least it's not a steel reserve. There you go. Doing that, Sean. You just we've got we've got problems. Drive down here and terminate my job, like the rest of the uh, economy here. Let's start. Let's start right with layoffs. Yeah, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read your bullets, and then I'll let you take it from there. But okay, in case anyone's heads under a rock, companies are firing people. Google lays off six percent. Microsoft lays off four to five percent. Amazon one to two percent. Carta, 10%. Coinbase, 20%. DirecTV, 6%. Salesforce, 10%. Vimeo, 11%. Goldman Sachs, 8%. Stitch Fix, 20%. Snap, 6%. People are getting fired, Sean. They are. What are you thinking, though? What is is this making your... Well, you and I were talking about this a little bit. I mean, I think it's a little bit of them trying to front run a possible recession, and they're trying to lean up a little bit, right? So they think... Maybe there's recession, maybe there's not. Either way, we've hired, and you and I looked this up also, the amount of hiring that's occurred, especially in the tech space over the you know, pandemic era, um, it's, been a, it's been pretty breakneck. So uh, these, these are almost, it, it almost feels like these are just kind of inefficient hirings that we kind of last in, first out sort of thing. Uh, but it's enough to where it's going to move the needle, uh, right, with their earnings. So we're heading into earnings season, right? And there's going to be some compression on the cost side or on the revenue side, right? So they're not seeing as much revenue. So how do you fix that and make your earnings look nice, right? You reduce your costs. Easiest yeah. way to do that is just, especially in tech, as much as they pay these fools and the benefits and all the other stuff that goes along with the uh, – the fuzzy, nice, uh, inflatable armchair is, you know, they, when, when, they, <laughs> they, when they get this, the nice floating uh, hover desk and they're, they're, they're cruising on a hoverboard around the office. Yeah, those guys are expensive. So shelling 10,000 of them, uh, I think is going to save them a pretty penny. Yeah, I, I look at this as the market landscape has shifted from growth at whatever means necessary. So you're just looking for top line growth. Even if you're just acquiring other companies, it's not really organic growth. Just yep, sure. how large sure. can you get the growth? And then as soon as we go into a tight market, 
the market is completely switched and it's rewarding companies that provide some sort of stable cash flow. And so if you're a business and your top line is coming down, so the amount of, if you own a restaurant, the amount of people coming through the door is lower. The only way to stay profitable is you got to cut some fat. You can either cut some sort of product cost, or in this case, all these companies just had way too many people from years past and they need to trim the head count. So I think I completely agree. I mean, this is like the most televised recession and it's like watching a car accident in slow motion. It's like, you know, what's coming. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's worried about the fed making a soft landing, but if it doesn't, everyone is doing kind of the contingency plan, just terminate some employees. Fire, fire, fire. Hire them back if we need to, but yeah, you no, know, it's, it's what's interesting on this, especially on the tech side, most of these employees, all their money was not salary. It was, it was stock. And so there's yep. all this, these shares that were invested that were just given to every possible employee you can think of, and they're all worthless. Mm-hmm. It's just all that money is just going to poof, evaporate and away it goes. Well, some, some of them, right? Some of them, right? Not, not necessarily the Googles and the Amazons and the Microsofts, but definitely the Carters and the Coinbases, right? The Vimeos and the, those for sure, Stitch Fix, right? They're not paying people in dollars. I'm giving you sticks, Stitch Fix bucks. <laughs> you get Stitch Fix bucks, right? These are just as good as money. Exactly. They're not paying them real money. Um, right. They're getting there. They're, they're definitely get like those overinflated shares that are fairly worthless, especially now. And they're unvested, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely is a nice accounting. I don't want to say trick, but it's definitely a lever to pull when you need to make the revenue or I guess the earnings look better, right? Because the revenue is falling. Let's cut the cost. Let's keep those. Let's keep that earning number, right? Earnings per share number kind of looking uh, at least better than expectations. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what the market's all about, right? It's always expectations. And are you beating expectations? Are you underperforming expectations? And that's going to drive your, your, your share price. Yeah. So if they come out and they fire all these people and maybe they're doing some stuff behind the scenes to, to tweak expenses a little bit more than we are aware of, right? Earnings comes out. They're already beaten. Everybody's like, oh, you know, the earnings are lower, revised lower, revised lower, revised lower. And then boom, they, right, they're going to beat it because they've made all these cost cutting uh, measures and, you know, it's going to be good for the share. I mean, I think, I think they're going to continue to do well for the, uh, we've had a nice little rally so far to start the year. I think this is going to continue for a little while before we see some possible retesting, which I know you're in the camp of, uh, but it, it, I don't think that's going to happen immediately. I think we'll get a, a little rally here, a continuation of this rally, I guess. Yeah, I think a lot of people are a little too excited with, hey, the market's starting out in the green, and that might mm-hmm. be a little too premature. Mm-hmm. I do find it mm-hmm. funny, though. I think it's hilarious. You, you said there's a little kind of accounting shenanigans. Kind of reminds yeah. me. Remember we had that one guy tell us about setting up Puerto Rican business entities to, like, mm-hmm. expense stuff? <laughs> just doing the same thing. They're just like, yeah, you know, we're just going to terminate these people over here. And yep. that yep. expense all of a sudden goes right down to the bottom line. So... Bang, bang. Earnings look good. completely agree. This is everyone's just trying to just tighten as much as they can to try to get through the next six to 12 months. And you'll probably see all this 
on the back end. What doesn't help any of these companies is all these stupid kids on TikTok showing like, here's the day in the life at Meta. I start with a yogurt parfait and then I work out for two hours. <laughs> none, of them, none of them are actually doing any work. Those are like the new hot things on TikTok. Here's this social yeah. media company I work for and don't actually <laughs> do any work. <laughs> Yeah, it was a strange time for a couple of years. Not it's it, it's weird for us too because obviously we live in Florida and uh, it's it hasn't been as strange as it has been in most other places, right? I mean, ninety five percent of the country, ninety percent of the country, whatever you want to say, right? It's they've lived in a very different world than we have for the last two years. Yeah, you um... especially tech, right? Especially California, the hub of tech. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole nother world and all this permanent work from home stuff. Uh, I mean, even the DC mayor is basically coming out and saying like, okay, please send these federal workers back to, you know, to work. We need the revenue. Like these people don't, if they're not coming in to the city to work, they're not spending there. It's just, it's hurting the bottom line of the city. Yep. And, and so the DC mayor came out, uh, I believe it was two days ago, uh, and, and was basically like, you know, please, yeah. It's time, you know, things are, are better now. Like, let's get back to normal. Let's get back to work. We need the revenue. We need the money. <laughs> you guys need to start coming in. Well, speaking of needing revenue, <clears throat> Twitter went through and auctioned off basically everything they had. So they took all this stuff in their San Francisco headquarters. They stopped paying rent. And then they started literally auctioning off all the furniture. So th there's, uh, there's a post I saw on Twitter it was 102 chairs, 97 tables, 60 TVs, eight ovens, six espresso machines, 10 whiteboards, nine benches, nine refrigerators. They're just literally selling all of the physical stuff in the building because a lot of these companies are just a little bloated. So the only thing that's kind of a negative here is if these companies get comfortable being lean like this, you know, if anything, that might be something that would roll over to, that might inadvertently force the recession if they're just slowly making the labor market more difficult no one's really hiring and they're all laying these people off that might be the final straw that creates the recession but mm -hmm. it's so televised it's it's yeah it's, i mean it's it, yeah it's it's i don't know how it's it's i mean all this like you said it's it's almost like a slow crash where you're like all these things look really bad and all this stuff is happening really slowly but is it going to be as bad it almost feels like you know, when you're, when it, most things with the market are when everybody thinks it's going to be terrible, it just isn't as bad as everybody thinks, right? And when everybody thinks it's going to be amazing, it's not as good as everybody thinks, right? Or it doesn't last as long as everybody thinks it's going to last. Yep. And it almost feels like we've, instead of having one massive sell-off that lasts six to nine months, we might have 24 months of shit, right? 22 is probably bad. Like we're going to get a nice rally to start the year off, it looks like. Um, you know, I, I, you, you're definitely, you, and I, I know we talked about it, uh, Eric's also in a similar camp that we think that we're going to get pretty close to the lows, uh, retesting the October lows, which definitely could happen. Um, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. So, I mean, Russia and Ukraine is still very hot. And if anything, that's getting more. And they're sending tanks. Dude, they're sending tanks now. Now, you know Russia is basically taking that. I was reading some several different articles, but they're all kind of saying the same thing, that basically Russia is taking that as now NATO is supplying them with weapons 
that they can invade Russia with. And now they perceive that as a, okay, well, our territorial sovereignty is potentially at risk. So they've started deploying missile defense systems in Moscow and putting them on rooftops Hmm. of government buildings. Like they're fortifying Moscow for a possible, like, like this is getting wild, man. There's some wild, wild stuff. They just talked about bringing on another 500,000 conscripts. So the army, the the standing army is about a million, and they're talking about adding another half a million of conscripts. And every war that Russia's ever fought is not stopped. I mean, they're famous for basically just throwing Throwing bodies bodies and throwing bodies and throwing bodies. And everybody keeps talking about it. But it's like they've lost 100,000 in 10 months or whatever it was, which is a, a large number in our eyes, but they don't care. You know, they'll throw another 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 before they either say uncle or keep going. I mean, it's this thing could go on for a while, and that's going to make energy very uncertain, inflation, food price. I mean, there's just a lot of things that this impacts, and it's just you can't really plan with any great degree of certainty when all that's going on. I think this is kind of the one overhang that's keeping the inflation rate kind of in question, which is keeping the stock market at bay is between Ukraine and Russia, there's a significant amount of just farming raw material, fertilizer, oil that's kind of tied up in this, like, we don't know what the hell is going to (laughs) happen. So if things get worse, it could just exacerbate commodity prices. If China, Taiwan turns into an issue, again, that could be something else that impacts the international trade, which impacts the raw materials. If, impacts if, that have, if China invades so win, Taiwan, we are in trouble. Not personally, and not like, I don't think we're necessarily physically in trouble, but the, finance, the global economy would be in a world of hurt. The number two economy at war with a de facto ally of the U.S., I mean, the, the trade implications of that, I mean, it's just, that would not be good. Not be good for obvious yeah. reasons. Yep. Um, yep. All Anyways, right. What else you got? What else you got? On. Moving on. Yeah. Microsoft dropping Woo. $10 billion into chat GPT. I love it. Honestly, that stuff's terrifying. It is pretty terrifying. You know <laughs> it's that, so terrifying. I've used I, a bunch of I like, think Biden's, like, guest host on an SNL the other day was chat GPT. I do not believe that was him. He seemed a little too slick. I don't, think, I don't think so. So I've I've actually used Chap, G, uh, GPT to just be like, hey, write me up three sentences how to explain this topic. And it's like the perfect thing to like start, you know, whatever. Hey, I'm trying to write a marketing plan. I know someone just had to take Wharton's business, uh, the MBA final for the business class, and it passed right through. I don't think the grade was too high. <laughs> But this is version one based on 2020 data. I think it's through 2019, maybe. So hold on, hold on. Before we get in too heavy the the side stories with ChatGPT, we should make sure. We do this all day. I know, because there's a million of them, and they're all terrifying or cool, whichever way you look at it. Uh, But, you know, so for those out there who are not aware, OpenAI is the name of the company. ChatGPT is the particular software that we are referencing, but... It is a, as a, it is an AI company that has created some insanely incredible 
uh, machine learning software that can write with the, I mean, it sounds better than most things I read. It's extremely conversational. It's, there's emotion in it. I mean, it sounds like a person wrote, like it's very, very, very good. And you just give them a topic and a couple of bullet points and they will rip off a dissertation. I mean, it's incredibly wild because obviously it's like you're pumping money into the Borg or pumping like information into the Borg and saying like, okay, here's direction A, B, and C. And they can access everything in the internet. They have access to all of the linguistic syntax of you know how we speak and communicate. And they basically take all of that and take what you're trying, these little tiny points that you gave them, and they formulaize it, and then they spit out something that looks incredible. What's the, uh, are these, these aren't, remind me again, these aren't the guys that did the Morgan Freeman video, did they? I don't believe so. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's not these guys. But the con, <laughs> so basically, they've only trained this thing. I think the current platform that was open, you could just go register, just Google chat GPT, and you could make an account and register for the entire thing. I look at this as Microsoft's been trying to make Bing, or is it Bing? Is it, oh, it's Edge now. Microsoft's been trying to make their own search engine for who knows how long. True. And it's gone nowhere. Everyone has mm -hmm. defaulted to Chrome. And a lot of people just didn't want to get into Microsoft's engine to begin with. And so yeah. the only way they're going to be able to make a step forward with their search engine is to have something that's really heavily programmed on this. So I look at this as if you've ever gone through and you've done a... Um, type an email in Outlook. It starts predicting what you're trying to say at the end of the sentence. This is probably going to be very similar and in, in, integrated in the existing apps. The downside is there's a lot of schools right now that are running into kids that are cheating. Mm -hmm. They're just, you know, write me a four-page paper on Thomas Jefferson and this. And away it's, it goes, and it nails it. And it yeah, it's just, good. It's, this, this is like running through uh, the, like college campuses right now and just destroying institutional integrity. Uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, imagine whenever they figure this out, supposedly the way they're going to price this thing. So if we just get to the revenue side, they're going to charge a usage model. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, I think it's 40 bucks a license for an individual businesses. Kind of like if you do an API, which is you connect one platform to the other, there's like a three or five cents every time you use the corresponding platform. Yep. They were talking about, you know, the sites that do like plagiarism searching can basically use this tool to not just, you know, check to verify where this is written, but hey, cross-reference this writing with something else. So I think eventually this will get integrated. This is how all new technology works. It comes out, yeah. no one knows what it is. It goes crazy. Yeah. And then early, early adopters get to, to abuse it a little bit. Yeah. It's, you know, the people that are getting into Bitcoin at $300, you know, they're all excited <laughs> now. The people that got into it at $36,000, not so excited right now. They're kind of happy. So same thing. I think this yeah. is going to get integrated into all other systems. There's a lot of other programs that do this already. I know even Salesforce and their CRM, the system will actually start analyzing the data you're putting in. So who are my clients? Where do they live? What do they like to do? Keywords that they call about. And it'll start sending you alerts. Like, hey, the market's down. This person you should probably contact. So all these companies are doing this. Yep. This has just been the first one that's been directly connected to, hey, here's the public. Go have fun with it. Yep. We used it before my brother's uh, daughter was born. 
we just said like, what are names we should use, uh, they should use for their daughter that go with this criteria. And it's like, boom, yeah. here's 10 names that match based on that. It's, it's very interesting though. No, it's super interesting. No, but I, that's actually a good point that you made. So you're saying you believe at some point they're going to integrate this into some type of cross-checking and they will be able to possibly, the machine's going to know if a machine wrote it? Yeah. 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 Self-verification. Yeah. For sure, right? I don't know how they'll be able to know that. But, man, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, we're, we are in the matrix. So we, it feels okay. like that. You know, looking for Neo. I mean, it definitely feels like Biden was was not the the person behind the screen the other day on on SNL. Who did that? Who who's the one that did? What's the company that did the um, the Morgan Freeman video? And if and for those listening, uh, if you're not if you're not sure what I'm talking about, look up Morgan Freeman deep fake video, and it is wild. What's the name of that company? Oh Lord! But dude, that it's it's literally so. For those out there listening, it is a split screen of a gentleman speaking, and a and on the other screen, it's Morgan Freeman. They're wearing the exact same thing. The only way you can tell it's this person is because of the shadowing. And I didn't re- realize that until I read something afterwards. It basically, told you how to catch this kind of stuff. But if you didn't know that shadowing and you weren't looking at it in that kind of detail, and you were just watching some video or commercial or whatever that you thought was Morgan Freeman, spot on. Nailed it, 100%. Couldn't tell all the mannerisms, the voice, the body, I mean, the movements. It was wild. So there was, I forget which company it was, but there's a there's a new company. Damn it, I saw on Twitter. I can't remember the company it was, but so like I'm looking at the Zoom right now and I'm looking right at the app or I'm looking oh, at the yes. app. Yeah, but the software automatically takes your eyes and reformats them in the picture, in the recording. So it looks like you're always looking at the camera. So even if you turn to the left, yeah. it still makes it look like you're staring at the camera at all times. So the software is basically just making you present like you're looking directly <laughs> at it. Like, okay. This guy's, this guy's paying attention. <laughs> this guy's, he's really listening. I like this guy. This guy. Yeah. The deep fakes are coming. They are the deep fakes and the AI, uh, learning with this stuff is just it's so it's happening at such a fast pace it it literally is like two years ago or three years ago or whatever it was like it kind of just started and then already we're like well you could literally be the president give an address and i can't tell if that's you or not yeah yeah um but all right let's move on so enough of that microsoft is buying them and like you said it does sound like an interesting thing to integrate with a lot of their uh stuff um it definitely seems like a uh uh a likely add-on to Microsoft or you just tuck the it search in all engine the other stuff. Software. I mean, you can you can plug it into so many different things. So I mean, it, it does make an obvious, you know, complement to a lot of the stuff they already do. Um, I just wonder if Microsoft eventually gets back into the crosshairs of the uh, the feds, like they did in the '90s, and they start getting broke up. You saw well, that no, happen. Google today was Google was running into antitrust stuff. So this is the perfect time for Microsoft just to go in there and nab some acquisitions and compete. You know, yeah, they're dealing with the, the court. The feds are going after the are going after Google and the social media companies right now, it seems like. So So Microsoft's just looking <laughs> around, oh hey, we make Excel <laughs> documents and Word, you know. <laughs> we just like to create office software. 
and yeah, buy everything. We're just buying Activision Blizzard and ChatGPT, and then the games will. I mean, eventually, just write your own games. You don't need to have. This goes back to our first comp concept. They're going to fire everyone. Let ChatGPT write all the video games. Run the whole company. Run the whole company. Oh yeah, and then also, by the way, we also just bought 150,000 acres of uh, farmland in Central Iowa. Yeah, just because. Right. No worries. Anyway, all right. Next topic. Last, next last topic. topic. Listener topic. Got a listener request. Citadel. Ooh. Made sixteen billion. So, for those who don't know, Citadel is a hedge fund. Mm. Um, the hedge Ken fund. Griffin, who founded that, uh, founded Citadel, sixteen billion in profit in twenty twenty two. Now, keep in mind, hedge funds charge typically an kind of asset based fee, normally one or two percent, and they charge a performance fee, which is twenty percent. So, in total, they actually made twenty eight billion dollars in profit took themselves a nice 12 billion home, 16 billion was paid out to investors. So I know the question was, well, how the hell do they make $16 billion for investors? Well, the real question is, well, how do they make $28 billion in profit? <laughs> yeah. In the year where the market's down across the board. So what do you think, Sean? Where'd they? Yeah, so I mean, like I was, uh, we were talking about this earlier and I was, uh... If you go back and, and kind of come through a lot of the hedge fund data, uh, you know, there's just like with any manager, like if you look at you know, ETFs or mutual funds or any kind of vehicle, uh, professional vehicle or any other type of professional money management service, right? There's such a broad spectrum of how these funds operate and what spaces they play in. But if you take the total hedge fund universe, most of them still lost money. Um, I believe the total, now they didn't lose as much of the market, I believe in total, right? If you look at the hedge fund index, I think it was down somewhere in the eight to nine percent range. Uh, so definitely beat out diversified portfolios, beat out 60-40, beat out the S&P, beat out, you know, it's still outperformed, but they cumulatively lost a total, I think it was like 220 billion or something, pretty, pretty sporty. Uh, but at the top, the cream of the crop did very well. And it was mostly because these very, very large funds with insane amount of resources also have kind of a multi-pronged approach. Uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, if you look at Citadel, for example, I mean, they've, they, equities, commodities, fixed income, quant, which is, you know, basically like techie, right? A lot of technology and high frequency trading uh, and then credit. So there's a lot of different business lines that they're involved in, which obviously makes it easier, right? If one business line doesn't work, kind of like diversification, right? I mean, they're diversifying the business lines. If one is slowing or they're underperforming, they can lean on the others. Uh, but Citadel hit home runs in every single one of those business lines, apparently. Um, you know, equities was the lowest performing of the five. Uh, but I, I believe they really hit a home run on the credit and fixed income side of things. Yeah, I mean, uh, interest rates go from two to seven, just take the mortgage industry. You know, mm -hmm. if you go out and you buy a mortgage, someone is on the back end of that. The lender doesn't just take the mortgage and hold on to it forever. A lot of times you get a new mortgage and it turns over three or four times as companies are just selling who wants to hold that debt. So a lot of times these investment firms are gonna come through on the back end. They're gonna get into all this stuff. They're gonna buy mm -hmm. mortgage debt, they're gonna buy commercial debt. So they'll help 
institutions that are needing to borrow money, these institutions come in, price it. Someone wants to, you know, build a rocket to space. You need private dollars to kind of finance a lot of this stuff. Think about SpaceX. Yep. SpaceX stock is private, but they also borrow money. They need debt. So a lot of these investment companies can come on the debt side as well. So where the majority of the returns came, at least from the very limited amount of information that's here, you won't know exactly what it is unless you own that's the fund it's itself. A, it's a black box, right? Yeah, that, it, it's not a publicly traded company. It's not a public, they don't have to disclose this stuff. So unless you're an investor uh, directly or indirectly, you're not going to know. Yeah, but yep. they did a, a, at least one of the fund to funds, LCH Investments, I think was the name of the company. Mm-hmm. They came out and said, across the top funds, 22, I think it was 22 and a half billion was made in the top five funds. Mm-hmm. The majority of that came from Citadel and from Citadel, it was their credit and macro sections that really led, yeah. uh, as well as their credit, which all that's kind of tying into the fixed income space. Yeah, yeah. there could be some stock trading, could be some yeah. derivative trading, could be yeah. anything in the commodity space. Just look at the price of oil, things like that. They did not make any of that money buying stocks. They did not make that buying you know ETFs, mutual funds. This is all kind of going to where, where there's no transparency and putting a lot of risk on shorting the market, things like that. So, no, that's it, man. I mean, they, they, the majority of the returns, again, like you said, I mean, there was a slight profit in every category, uh, but the biggest category were interest rate sensitive, right? They, they just took big bets on what the Fed was going to do, and they were right. I mean, but at the same time, it's kind of wild that not more people did that because if you look at it, I mean, like the Fed was saying, we're going to be very aggressive. We're going to be very aggressive. We're going to raise rates. We're going to keep doing it. And it just kept happening. It kept happening. And everybody was very surprised every time it kept happening after they said, this is what was going to happen. This is what we're going to do. And you kept seeing, kept seeing rates or not rates, but inflation creep up. And we're like, it's, it's going to continue to go up. I mean, it's just, it's just starting, right? I mean, we just stopped printing money. I mean, they didn't stop printing money until inflation was already over seven, seven and a half percent. I mean, so there's a lag effect, obviously, in that. So inflation is going to continue to go up. Logistics issues were still happening in China. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it, it was definitely a very televised move by the Fed. And some really uh, kind of went whole hog into it, like Citadel, and uh, made some insane profits. Yep. Yep. Anyways, right. well, let's leave it there. We'll come back. You got it. Next week, thanks everybody for signing in. If there's questions, shoot us an email, craft, craft advice podcast at gmail.com. Sean, Adios. cheers. Cheers. Thanks everybody for listening in. And uh, till next time, keep a little powder dry. And uh- Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.